God's pretty good, isn't he? So, I have some gratitude. It's awesome to have Bethany back behind those drums. Amen. We're also glad that she and Harper and her whole family are good to go. It's been nice to, to see Harper. She's so tiny. She's just a little bit in. We've already put her to sleep. So um, that's going to mess naps up. Sundays are hard sometimes for kids. Well, um, just a reminder. Do you have your puzzle piece? Does anybody know what this is? You have your puzzle piece. The first day I was here in Emporia, um, I asked everybody to take a puzzle piece because we are all part of the puzzle, and we all fit together in different ways. But we all have a part in God's plan for you and for this church and the direction that we go. And so if you don't have a puzzle piece because you weren't there that day or some of the other days that maybe we've made it available, right here in this basket in front of the candle, you, uh, you can grab one. There's still plenty. It was a 300-piece puzzle, and our goal is to get rid of all of them. And it's been a while, so we want to make sure that uh, everyone is a part. Now, don't take it unless you want to be a part of the puzzle. That's the thing. We want you to be a part of it. It doesn't mean you're going to be a member. It doesn't mean that, um, that you know, we're going to deduct money from your check every week. It's not the way it works. We just want you to be, and we're going to talk about this towards the end today, about being an engaged disciple of Jesus Christ. That's what we want to be, and that's what this represents. Well, um, we, we had the ability to be a district assembly like we talked about. We heard a bunch of different reports from um, pastors and leaders in our district, and uh, we had a good time um, along the way uh, visiting with friends. But uh, I just have a few more things that I want to report. We heard three incredible reports. You can tell that um, they're passionate about what they do, right? And it, it's for a purpose. And I want to take um, just a moment to give you some uh, healthy church um, statistics, some things that have gone on in the past year the past church year, and then we're going to kind of talk about what it looks like to move forward, and we're going to have to, you're going to have to listen fast. So here's some attendance numbers, and these, these, different, these different categories are important, and we'll figure that out at the end as well. But our attendance over the, on Sunday mornings over the last year, we averaged 126 people, which is good. It's fantastic. It's 17 more than the year before. That means that people are inviting, right? That means people are willing to come and be a part. Um, our discipleship groups, anything that's not here in, on Sunday mornings at 1045, we had about 83 people, averaged 83 people a week uh, as a part of those. We had 100 people at our Christmas Eve service, which is great. We had over 80 at the Good Friday service. We had 750 people come to our Trunk or Treat special events and had over 1,800 as a part of our live nativity, right? So we had good attendance, but that's a product of something that, that, that involves y'all, right? You have to invite people to be a part of that. However, all those cool and, and really strong um, uh, numbers, there's always a however. And in church world, a lot of times we don't like to really talk about the negative part, and it's not really negative, it's just the ebbs and flows of life, right? However, we've also lost people. We've lost some people as they've passed on, and they're in heaven now, which is awesome for them. We've had people that have moved away, and some have just stopped coming for whatever reason. And it's on us 
to look around every, every week, every time we're at an event that we do, a Bible study or youth or kids event, things like that, to look around and say, oh, so-and-so is not here today. I wonder where they are. And just check in with them and remind them, hey, we missed you. Because sometimes that's all it takes to remind them that they're loved and that they need to be a part of this body as well. And so we don't, um, we, we don't discourage them. If they, our church is not for everyone, but we, we need to invite people to be a part of it, right? So those are some um, attendance numbers. By the way, I'm not a real big fan of giving statistics in church, but I feel like it's kind of necessary today. Some giving numbers. Um, last year, um, our, we gave uh, just over, we had just over $172,000 in tithes and offerings come in. We had $9,700 come in in Faith Promise, which is the, uh, our WEF fund and some other things like that, that's um, our missions department to help, and all that money goes out of this church immediately and, and to help other people. Um, we, we came up, we had just $14,000 that came in that went directly out in the community one way or the other, whether to get kids to kids camp or um, some benevolence, things like that, that help us impact our, our, uh, our community right here in Emporia. $2,800 went to special missions projects just across the globe and in, in town. And that will be even bigger next year because of the $9,700 that were given um, for the VBS offering towards the Bertrand's new vehicle. And that's all because you guys are faithful in what God resources for you. However, there's always a however. There's a however in all four spots, so just so you know. We found that some of our systems financially weren't working here at the church. And we rely too much on one individual instead of spreading out the wealth. And that's true in probably every ministry that we have. But in our finances, um, we can't do that. We have to be able to manage people and time and money. So um, we've learned from that. And we've rearranged some things. And we've changed the process. And um, we're, we have someone new that's going to come and help us. And I'm excited about the future uh, just because, well, first of all, I don't have to be directly involved in it anymore, which is awesome, because that takes a lot of time. And I don't want to be um, a pastor in charge of money. I want to be in charge of what's going on in your lives. And so uh, we're, we'll have that help. And that's what, that's what life is all about. It's about getting, you know, you get knocked down, you get back up again, you learn from the things that don't work, and you change them, and you get better at it. Here's some discipleship numbers. We've offer, we offer around 15 different opportunities outside of our worship, corporate worship gathering that you can be a part of. We baptized nine people last year, which is fantastic. That's a proclamation of, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come up in front of everybody and proclaim that I'm going to serve Jesus and follow him the best I can for the rest of my life. That's commitment to Jesus Christ, and that's, that's what we want to celebrate. However, there's some howevers, right? We offered some uh, discipleship opportunities that not a soul signed up for. And those are opportunities that could be for your neighbor as well and for your coworker and things like that. We want to always be engaged. We want to do what you're good at and what you want to be engaged in. So if you have an idea, let's, let's share those, right? And it doesn't mean that we're going to do them all and we're going to do them immediately. But I want to know what's going on and what you think would help reach people. Does that make sense? Good. Um, 
So here's some investor numbers. This is our last category. Okay, investors, we don't use the word volunteer, right? We use the word investor because we're giving of ourselves into somebody else. That's what investors do. Sunday mornings, we, uh, it requires around 20 people um, minimum to help us put on what goes on on Sunday mornings, whether it be Sunday school or media or uh, worship team and on and on. It takes time and it takes people, right? It takes 12 or so on Wednesday nights. There's just a little less people and less involved, but that it still takes those people. The more, the merrier, though. And, um, you know, our special events, we always turn out for those. We had 30-plus, including 14 different trunks for Trunk or Treat. We had 80-plus volunteers, excuse me, investors for our live nativity. So it's important that we're giving our time as well as our, our resources and financially. However, we can always use more. If you talk to Miss Emily, she, she would never turn you down to come and work with our kids in the kids' department. If you talk to Geraldo, he would always say, yes, I need more mentors in these teens' lives, okay? And if, if you're a parent of a teen in the, and you're like, well, I don't necessarily probably need to work with, directly with them, that's fine. We'll find a way, okay? It's okay. They won't tell you no, all right? We can always use more people up here to help sing and play and do, all right? Because it helps all of us to worship in a better and different way. So those, you know, these things are, they're important. That's why I'm sharing them. It's why I'm taking time out of this uh, few minutes to share with you. Not because we need to validate our efforts. We don't need to do that, right? Not because we need to show other churches how awesome we are. No, that's, that's not the point. Rather, what it does is it paints a picture for us seeing the hand of God working through you and through me, and through our church. So today, we're going to take a peek at some people that were just average Joes, okay? Uh, if you want to turn to the book of Colossians with me, um, I uh, asked you to do that. Colossians chapter 4, and uh, take a few moments to find that. But uh, we're going to talk about 11 people. And I know you're like, oh, man, we only have 12 minutes till noon, and I got something in the oven we need to get done. Hopefully he's not talking about all 11, um, or we'll be here till 1. And I'm not talking about all 11, so you're welcome. Maybe 12.30, but not at 1, okay? Chances are you've not heard any of these 11 people, maybe some of them, okay? They're just, they're average people. They don't, you don't, they don't show up in all of the pages of Scripture, Okay? Um, and as we look at these 11, here's our question for today. Am I doing my best? Am I doing my best to share the gospel and to be a disciple that's making more disciples? Collectively, in this ecclesia, this body uh, of like-minded believers, right? Are we doing our best as a church to share the gospel and make disciples that are making more disciples? We tend to uh, be really hyper-focused on the greatest, right, in, in culture today. Like, who's the best ever in this or that? Is it Jordan or LeBron, right? Is it Tom Brady or Peyton Manning? And it's actually none of those. It's Patrick Mahomes. But um, is it Coke or is it Pepsi, right? It's Dr. Pepper. It, uh, is it Iron Man or is it Captain America? Nobody cares, right? Um, but, for example, take Michael Jordan. One of the greatest, I'm, I'm, this is my disclaimer, I'm not saying who the greatest is because I don't care, all right? Uh, but Michael Jordan was a great basketball player. 
and as great as he was, his greatness alone was never enough. It took the right coach. It took the right teammates. It took him eight years even to get to a, a championship. So it takes a lot of hard work. And all of the greatest, all those people we talked about, if we talk about who the greatest are, they're always had, they always have the good or the average or just the normal players that are holding them up and helping them out. They're teammates that just do their jobs, right? They're teammates that have to be there in order to win games because I never saw Michael Jordan win a game one-on-five. It doesn't work that way. And his, his teammates have had a significant role in his greatness, and he was really good. Well, the Apostle Paul, he reminds us about 11 guys, uh, and actually guys and ladies. And they're just 11 average Joes that um, they're not one of the Bible greats, right, that we think about one of the disciples or the prophets and things like that that you hear about a lot in Scripture. There are 11 people that were not available. If, if they were not available and willing to be there and help and share and love and extend grace, then the gospel message would not have been shared as effectively and efficiently and Paul goes out of his way to share about that. So let's read about these 11. In verse uh, 7, in chapter 4 of Colossians, Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. This is Paul writing. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. I'm sending him up to you for the express purpose that you may communicate and uh, that you may know about our circumstances and that we have he may encourage our, your hearts. He's coming with Onesimus, that's the second one, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. He was a Colossian. They will, they will tell you everything that's happening here. My fellow prison, prisoner, Aristarchus, sends his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. So we're all the way up to five now. You've received instructions about Mark and Barnabas. If, if he comes to you, welcome him. There's Jesus who was called Justice, because you didn't want to be a Jesus in those times at that point. So he was called Justice. And he also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God. And they have proved a comfort to me. There's Epaphras, who is one of you as well, a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He's always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand in firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him and is working and that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Heropolis. Our dear friend Luke, Luke is probably pretty familiar, right? Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings as well. My, I give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea. This is somebody in, in the church of, of Colossian right here. And to Nymphia, the church and the church at her house. So Paul is calling them all out and telling everybody about him. And after this letter has been read to you, see to it that also is read to the church of Laodiceans and that you turn and read the letter to all of Laodicea. Tell Acrippus, see to it that, the, the, that you complete the, missionary, the ministry that you've received in the Lord. It's possible that you've heard one, one or two of these names, Luke being one of them, because he wrote two books of the New Testament, right? But what they are is they're regular people doing great things in the name of Jesus. They're all going to work to provide for their families and serving Jesus. They're all people that have recognized that Jesus is not just a way, 
He is the way. And my guess is that these people uh, that once lived in the darkness of sin, just like the Apostle Paul, remember he was Saul before, were, and they, what they did is they found out that that's not a life worth living. And, they changed, and God changed their hearts. They're just like you and me. They're, they're sinners. They're hard workers. They're family members. They're churchgoers. They're forgiven. They're Jesus followers. And they, take, and they all had a role in the gospel, being shared through the uttermost parts of the earth with Paul. They're all, what they are is, is they're all engaged disciples. Because Paul wasn't doing this all alone, just like Michael Jordan could do it on his own either. This is what I need, and that, that's what we need to be in our lives, engaged disciples. We want to be disciples that are making more disciples, so I'm adding the engaged part. So as Everett and Emily and, and Geraldo gave their reports today, you know what you didn't hear? You didn't hear, I did all of the planning and so on and on and on. It was all me, right? I did this, right? And you didn't hear, I made all of this and that, and I put this together, and I had to organize everything. It wasn't a whole lot of eyes, right? It was a whole lot of we's and they's and us's, wasn't it? That's what engaged disciples are, okay? They invite. They're inviters. They're givers. They're groupers or groupies, if you will, and they're investors, and earlier, I shared some statistics, all of which coincide with those four things of inviting, giving, grouping, and investing. And I mentioned that it gives us a snapshot of what our, our church embodies, what it embraces, what it's built on. And what it does is it shows evidence of engaged disciples. So engaged disciples, what are, what are they? They're inviters. Engaged disciples invite people to come be a part of whatever we're doing. Right? In-house, right? Whether it's in this building or over there at the Potter Beath or uh, whatever events that we're doing. Some special events like Trunk or Treat or uh, Common Ground for the Youth or Live Nativity, whatever the case is. We, we come to worship gatherings on Sunday and we invite people to come. Uh, we come to weekly Bible studies and we invite people to come. Because if people are not invited, chances are they're not coming. Because... We've been here almost four years, and I don't know, maybe two times we've had somebody just walk in off the street because they saw a bunch of cars here on a Sunday morning. It just doesn't happen that way because the, to, to be a disciple anymore, you have to have a relationship with someone. That's how it starts, and then you invite them to come and be a part because engaged disciples, they invite Engaged disciples are givers, right? They, they give of their finances. You have a plan to give, right? You have, and we're talking about monetary right here. This is our money that we're talking about. You've developed, or maybe you are developing, some habit of returning to God what he has blessed you with. And we've said this before, and a tithe is our 10%. And maybe that's hard to do right off the bat. So start Start somewhere. Start with three, with four percent, and watch God bless you. And then move it to the next percent, and just watch God bless your socks off, because that's what's going to happen. And he does this, and it takes intentionality. It takes purpose. It needs to become a habit. We need to teach our kids to do this, that that money, because money is awesome. It's fun. It's easy to spend, really easy to spend, right? But it's not all ours. God's 
God gives that to us. And we do it because God asked us to do it. He wants, us, he wants the mission of making disciples be on the front burner of our lives, not being overwhelmed with this love of money. It teaches us to rely on God and not ourselves. That money begins to own us if we're not, if we're not careful. And he wants, God wants you to love him and to honor him with everything you have because he gave it to us. Because engaged disciples give. They also group, right? And it's a funny word. We're not groupers or groupies. But you, you need to be engaged. And engaged disciples are, are a part of a weekly uh, gathering, not as a corporate worship, a Bible study, prayer meeting, youth, kids, you name it. All the things that we do that are not in a corporate setting like this right here. You need to be a part of it. We have lots of opportunities. And we talked about those earlier. Because when you go, you're developing your relationship with Jesus Christ. You're also sharing your heart and your story, and you're embracing other people's heart and their story. And we, we find out when we do this that we can't do it or not walking this journey alone. And when, uh, when you're in a group, you're joined by someone who's willing to be there to bear your burden and to bear someone else's burden because engaged disciples group. And they also invest, right? Engaged disciples are generous in sharing their time. Because we, we do this uh, because serving is at the heart of Jesus. Over and over again in Scripture, there's evidence of Jesus living this out in his life. Because that's what the Christian life is all about. It's about giving yourself away. And we do this to show others that we, don't only, that, that we not only see their needs, but we are intentional about finding a way to meet those needs. And so um, serving, uh, gives, it gives others um, an idea that you're a priority over me. And it shows that we love them because engaged disciples invest. So are you an engaged disciple? Are you one of them? Are you two of them? Are you three of those things? Are you four? Okay, this is something that was lived out for us in Jesus' life. Because here's the thing, the term engaged disciple, it's all about action. It's doing we don't get saved and say we're going to follow Jesus for the rest of our life, and then we sit down in a dark room and hide ourselves. That's not what we can do. That's not being a great follower. It's not doing what we're called to do. Being a follower of Jesus is 100% about living out the love of Jesus and sharing the good news of the gospel of Christ and how it impacted your life and what it does for and through you. It requires movement, not just sitting still and hoping and praying for other people to do what you're being called to do. It requires action, not idling by and just observing and then telling everybody how they're not doing it right or things like that. It's about getting in the game, getting your hands dirty, being uncomfortable, because sometimes that's what it is. So it brings us back to our original, our original question. Am, am I doing my best to share the gospel, to be a disciple that's making more disciples? Am I doing it? Let's put it in our context today. Am I doing my best to be an engaged disciple, someone who is actively sharing the gospel by the way that I live? For example, these might be some hard questions to hear. When was the last time you invited someone to anything in one of our ministries or church? When was the last time? Because for some of us, I have a feeling it was a while. 
I'm like, well, I don't know anybody new. Well, invite the, invite the old people. Find a way to put yourself and be uncomfortable and say, why don't you come? It's men's breakfast. It's 7 o'clock in the morning. You're not doing anything. Just come. And you get bacon. Amen. It's all that bacon. Speak that love language. It's okay. Right? When was the last time that you gave monetarily in a consistent or percentage-based offering? Well, I'll give, I gave to this one thing. That's, that's awesome. And I don't want you to stop doing that. But it's a habit that we need to develop in our lives. It helps the church grow. It helps the church keep the lights on. I mean, all of the things, everything in between. That's what we want. But it's, it's intentional on our part as individuals, as disciples. When was the last time that you made it a priority to attend one of our groups outside of this time right here to be involved in some way? When was the last time you spent time and invested in service in someone else's life? Because that's what engaged disciples do. That's who they are. So when we have a church of, of full of engaged disciples, that's when we see the deepest impact in our lives and in our community and in our church. And we have that type of action. People will give their lives to Jesus. And that's our mission. And therefore, their lives are changed, and they begin their process, and the cycle just continues, and we just keep stirring the pot up, and we keep finding more, and we throw them in the pot, and they just get wound up in this Holy Spirit-led life that is it's life-changing. If we're sharing that in our lives with other, if, we're, if we just go up and say, well, yeah, I'm a Christian, it's okay, it's all right, no big deal. No, it's a big deal, and we need to share that, at least with your face, right? Smile a little bit, get them eyebrows up, whatever it takes. Show that you have the joy of the Lord in your, in your heart, and you won't walk around like that all the time, right? And uh, listen, I know life's hard. There's hard things that happen, but we don't do it alone, and that's what a part of being an engaged disciple is all about. It's what we're called to do. We're not called to build membership in our church. And I love that if you want to be a member of Emporia First Church of the Nazarene, yes. I'm all, I'm all about it. You, you come and talk to me, we'll get you joined up right now. Right? It's, it's not a hard process. And you get all of the perks of being a member, which means that you get to serve in leadership. Right? And you get to vote on who serves in leadership. So be a member. That's great. But we're not called to membership, right? We, we, Jesus didn't call us to go say, go therefore and make members of the church. And then get your heart changed and get it right and act like we do, and then you'll be good. No. He said, go and make disciples. We're not called to believe and be quiet. We're called to share the gospel in any way possible. We're called to be engaged disciples that are constantly on the move with the name of Jesus on our lips. So that's the kind of church I want to be a part of. It's the kind of church that I want to lead. That's the God that I want to serve. And those 11 people that Paul wrote about in Colossians, they were engaged, weren't they? He's sending them all over the countryside with a note. Hey, do this, do this. Tell them good job. He is praying for you. On and on. They're working for you on God's behalf. 
regardless of what they did, was being, if, if what they did was being worthy of being mentioned, right? God just, Paul gives them final instructions, though, in, in chapter 4. He actually did it before the list of names, and we're going to read that as we close today. But this is the best way to be engaged as a disciple of Jesus Christ. In, in verse 2, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open the door for our message so that, it may be, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. chains. Pray that I might proclaim it as clearly as I should. Be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be filled with grace.